Ready? Go. Hi, everyone. This is Heather Whaley. And this is Frank Whaley. And this is episode 14 of the Podemicast. Um, episode 14. Are we numbering the episodes for a reason? I don't know. It didn't even occur to me not to number the episodes. Ah, is it like at the 100th episode? We're yeah. going to get like a, uh, the network is going to buy us all like a Porsche. I think so. I hope so. On, for like on friends and uh, after like the 1,000th episode, 1,000th they episode. They all got a car, around. right? I auditioned to play Rachel on Friends. You would have been so much better. You think? Yeah. Do you think I would have ended up being married for a while to Brad Pitt? Absolutely. I would have just had her whole life. Or it would have been a slightly different. Maybe you would have just like, you know, fooled around with Brad Pitt. I, I was never, I never liked Friends, the show or the actual. Actually, you don't like having friends. No. Which, that's interesting because this is easier for me than maybe for most people. For a couple of reasons, this the the social isolation, the the, the whole the distancing, whole, yeah, because I never care to have people in the house, and it's given me even more reason to be uh, clean. It's it's enforced even more my cleanliness. You know, I I love to you I, love to clean. I love to clean, and the fact is, I get resentful when when you don't clean. But the fact is. I don't want you to you clean. You don't want me to clean. Last night after dinner, we were all cleaning the kitchen, and you got mad because the three of us weren't cleaning the kitchen the way you wanted the kitchen to be cleaned, and you would rather have done it by yourself. So we all left and worked on a puzzle, started a new puzzle. I just wanted to be acknowledged that I'm cleaning. I'm like Trump. I want everybody to appreciate thank you. me. Yeah. Okay, so is that why when you're cleaning, like if you use the dust mop and you're dust mopping the floor, you leave it out with a little pile of dust by it so that you do the actual dust mopping and then I have to put away the dust mop and clean up the pile of dust that's around the base of the dust mop. Well, I would never leave a so pile of dust around. That's your signature? Is it, that's why you leave the cleaning products around to show me that you've used them? I wouldn't call it my signature, but I... I, I don't leave dust from time to time. I'll leave the I'll leave I'll leave the broom out just to show everyone. It's like me planting my flag. Here's something you've been good with the um, the facts regarding the. the I got um, the facts. I got all the facts and the yeah. figures. And you got a great rear end. But here's here's something about the Spanish flu because you've been talking about the Spanish yeah. flu and, and which is interesting because it wasn't it's, you shouldn't call it the Spanish flu though you shouldn't call it that. Well, that this this goes along okay. with my with my fun fact. It wasn't actually Spanish. Hmm. It became known as the Spanish flu because Spain was neutral during the First World War and reported... During the First what? First World War. I know my R's are... My, <laughs> during the First World War. We talked about that yeah. earlier. I can't world pronounce war, my R's. During the First World War? During the First World War. Like Barbara Walt Walters. During the First World War, it reported freely on the disease. In contrast, countries that were act actively engaged in the war censored bad news in the press to help maintain morale. That's like Trump. Yeah. In Spain, it was known as the French flu. Because they just hated the French? Because it actually started in Kentucky, didn't it? Well, nobody knows really where it started. Right. Here's another fun fact. It, w it had different names. One of them was the Blue Death. The reason being, as a victim's lungs clogged with fluids, their bodies became starved of oxygen, similar to the coronavirus, right? Mm -hmm. As a result, heliotrope cyanosis, a bluish-purple tinge, started to spread from their extremities, including their fingers, toes, nose, ears, and mouth. This was often the sign of impending death. Yikes. Yeah, and many bodies turned blue-black. So there's my fun fact for the day. That's not so fun. That's no. fact. Depends but I on how you look at I it. I wouldn't put that in the category of fun fact. That's also where the term, I got the blues, came from. Really? 
No, I just made that oh. up. April Fool. You compared the government's not wanting people to know about this to Trump. It's sort of always been that way. The yellow fever that hit New York City was the same way. They didn't want people to know about it because they didn't want to hurt businesses. Is that true? Yeah. Wow. I think yellow fever is carried by mosquitoes, right? So it would have been like in the summer and spring. In New York City, it claimed thousands of lives. Those victims, you want to hear what happens if you get the yellow fever? Uh-huh. Most victims would experience headaches followed by severe exhaustion, high fever, and slowed heart rate. This period was followed by a remission stage where you think you're getting better, and then delirium. During the delirium stage, victims acquired a characteristic yellow hue on their skin and pupils. In final stages, a vomiting of black bile occurred. Now, did you know that 20,000 victims of yellow fever were buried in Washington Square Park? No. Do you remember when they were renovating the park in 2008 and they found a whole bunch of bodies? They Mm. found, like, the skeletons of eight people. Wow. Every time they renovate that park, they find bodies. There's whole crypts of people down there. Remember in the in the in the nineties in Tompkins Square Park, there was that guy who lived in the park, and he was dating the ballerina, and she went missing. It was turned out that he murdered her, and he boiled her, and then he kept her in his freezer. What? Yeah, I didn't know about that. I just thought of that when you said Washington Square Park. I remember but, the guy who was growing a whole bunch of weed in Tompkins Square Park. Yeah, not not as bad as no. I wouldn't be, compare that to boiling beating your, and boiling your your ballerina. Was he a cop? No, he was like a, a drifter, long beard, like weird looking dude. How, how did he get a ballerina to be his girlfriend? Well, he was kind of cute in a weird way. And I lived right near there in the 90s. Yeah, you've had worse boyfriends. I know that much. Uh, here's a little update from yesterday. Yesterday I was talking about the episode of The Equalizer that I did. Mm-hmm. I, there was some there was some inconsistencies. That Not inconsistency, but there was some I was not correct. And I don't want to leave people in the dark on this particular episode of The Equalizer okay. that I was talking about. One second. It was called... Um, this is fascinating. Talk amongst yourselves. I'd love to hear more about the Equalizer. Most people probably don't even know what the Equalizer was. Well, the equalizer, it was a guy in a trench coat. It was like no. an old guy in a trench coat. Yeah, it was, well, it was, the Equalizer, like, it was an American crime drama television series originally airing on CBS from 1985 until late spring 1989. It starred Edward Woodward as a retired... Neg- uh, Say that in, one again. Edward Woodward <laughs> as a retired intelligence agent agent with a mysterious past. They, they, they recently made... The Equalizer in the movie with Denzel Washington. That sounds better. This was a very popular show. The show had quite a number of notable guest stars, many of whom became major stars with a few years of their within a few years of their appearances. Eight-year-old Macaulay Culkin. No way. Melissa Joan Hart, Christian Slater, the um, incomparable Kevin Spacey, also known as Kevin Spacey, the pedophile. Ed O'Neill, John Goodman, Joe Morton, Steve Buscemi. Um, Did they mention you? Stuart Copeland, who composed the show's theme song and much of its music. Stuart Copeland is the guy from The Police, right? Yeah. Vincent D'Onofrio, Adam Ant. They go on to say uh, Frank Whaley, Sam Rockwell, and Jerry O'Connell appeared in the same episode as members of a teen robbery gang. Robbery gang? I wouldn't use the phrase robbery gang. Yeah. I mistakenly said that the woman from um, Sarah Brightman was in the show uh, that I was in. Let me guess. She was not in she, the It Equalizer. wasn't Sarah Brightman. It was, a, it was a woman who, at the time, was on Broadway in Les Mis. And, oh, so you were um, right about that. Yes, yeah, she was in Les Mis. I, I, I'm, I'm trying to find her name. I'm having a hard time doing that. She played horror number one in the Les Mis movie. Um, so she was one of the stars of the original Broadway production of Les Mis. Yes. And when it came time for the movie, she was whore number one. That's right. That's what Hollywood does That's... to you as you get older. Yeah, and I wish I could find Throw your name. women out, call them whore number one. Yeah. Um, your big stars, your best and brightest, now you're whore number one. Right. 
Oh, Max Casella also was in it. And I, I referred to him yesterday as the guy that said, hey, Doogie, hey, Doogie. But Max Casella is a very talented actor. Anthony LaPaglia was also in that episode. Many will know Anthony LaPaglia. This from. is now a, just a podcast about the equalizer. I just want to, I just want to keep it real. The woman who, who was in the episode was also in Le Mis was named Frances Ruffelli. R-U-F-F-E-L-L-E. And who did she play in Les Mis? I couldn't tell you, but I can tell you she played Sylvie in this particular episode of uh, The Equalizer. There you go. Yeah. Enough about The Equalizer. I just want to... Look, the three people who listened to this might be upset that I didn't get it right. I just want to make sure that I got the facts right. I know that we got lots of emails from the Sarah Brightman fan contingency. Yes, they were very upset. Here's another fun fact. During that same time, I went with my family to see Les Mis on Broadway. So we sat in the mezzanine, and it was my mom, my dad, my brother, me, and my grandmother, my mom's mom, and she fell asleep and was snoring really loud during the entire show, the whole thing. That's so funny. The only time I ever took my mom to see a Broadway show, I took her to see the David Mamet show with Madonna and... Um, Speed the Plow. Speed the Plow. We had great seats, being who I am, was able to secure some good seats, and we sat right up front. You pull some strings? Yeah, and my, my mom um, at intermission said, I, I don't think I want to stay for the rest. J- one more thing on the equalizer. Did, it's called The Child Broker, and it was, um, it was in 1986. It was 1988. It was, uh, I believe, season three of that. Okay, so people can go get out their box sets, the VHS box set of The Equalizer. I'm sure you can find one on eBay. Everyone's going to be clamoring for it. Or you can it. find these on YouTube. People are going to be listen, price gouging those listen, VHS. Listen, I don't. I just want to be sure that I get. I know this is this is might seem trivial, but I want to make sure that I'm not giving out misinformation. And one day we're going to talk about my episode. Of Spencer for hire. Not gonna talk about that now. I was on Seinfeld, and we have. <laughs> I have screened. I have taken pictures of that. Every time I see that episode, because I'm, I'm, I, as you know, I love Seinfeld. And every time your episode comes up, tell, tell which episode you're in. I am in the Seinfeld episode where they're filming the pilot. It's like one of the. It's like the last season, not the last season. No. No, it's but it's one of the best episodes. Right. It's where they're shooting Jerry. They're, they're shooting the pilot of Jerry, and they cut to a shot of the audience. And it's like the warm-up comedian is, is standing in front of the audience. And I'm sitting there front and center. I'm wearing like a, a sort of a, a print shirt that has like a, like a hippie kind of fabric. You're wearing a leather jacket. And a, yes, I'm getting to that. And my leather motorcycle jacket that I bought when I was doing a semester in London, when that's when I turned into a punk. And then I, had sort, I was sort of like a deadhead type person. And then I went to London and I became a punk. And then when I came back, I sort of was both those things. So uh, that was my look. You look on, exactly the same. On Seinfeld. That's great trivia. I had never seen an episode of Seinfeld when I went to that taping. And when Kramer walked in, I was like, why is that guy doing that? It's totally over the top. So we talked the other day about the treadmill we got, and I've been running on the treadmill every day. And yesterday, for some re- un- unknown reason, I watched uh, Goop Lab. The Netflix show, Gwyneth Paltrow? Yeah. Why would you watch that? I, don't know. I mean, that's that's not a show that's made for you at all. She sent all her employees off to some weird sort of consort to take mushrooms, but she didn't what? go. Gwyneth Paltrow didn't go. She just sent everybody off and said, "I'm really worried about them. I hope they're okay." I mean, it was absurd, and they all went and had these horrible trips, crying. Oh my god! I assume you were on the iPad, and yeah. did it say recommended for Frank? Yes. And. For, they, for Frank, that's they thought that you No, know, it might have been recommended for you. Ah, uh, because I was going to say, like, you are not the demographic they were going for at all. Heather Goop, 
Frank Seinfeld. I'm not goop either. I think you're sort of goop. I think they would like me to be goop, but right. I am not. Right. I like science. I don't like yeah. what they do. They tell people to eat herbs and drink shakes and stuff part to be of healthy. The, part of the episode was Gwyneth Paltrow figuring out a way to get herself in there and make it all about her, talking about how nobody understands her and people think she's one thing and not another, and all I can think of is shut up, Gwyneth Paltrow. Gwyneth Paltrow's mom used to live down the road from my mother, and my little sister had a friend in high school who worked for the florist, the local florist, and he delivered flowers to her house one day and didn't know who she was, and he was like, why do you have so many pictures of Gwyneth Paltrow? It's weird because I did a movie once with Gwyneth Paltrow. Um, we all, all stayed in the same sort of small inn where we were shooting in New Mexico, and in her room she had like at least five framed photos of Gwyneth Paltrow, and this was... Oh, but, you know, so you did a movie with Blythe Danner. What'd I say? You said you did a movie with Gwyneth Paltrow. Oh, yeah, I did a movie with Blythe Danner, yeah. Got to make out with her. With Blythe Danner? Yeah. Did you really? Yeah, you didn't see that movie. I did. It's called Homage. It's a really good one. Yeah. You cry a lot in that. What were you going to say? I was going to say, on September 11th, we were stuck outside of New York City, right. and we went to my mom's house. Yeah. And who did we see while we were turning onto the street? Gwyneth Paltrow, driving right by us, looking very sad. I mean, yeah. Everybody looks sad. It was September 11th. Yeah. I spent time with her for a while in the 90s. And then one day, you and I were walking down Bleecker Street with our kids. We passed each other, and she pretended not to know me. So I thought, oh, well, I thought, yeah, we, don't, we don't know each other anymore. And guess what? That's fine with me. I wish more people would be like that with me. Like, That's just like, pretend, like, I never met you. I don't know you. Well, we've covered a lot of ground. Yeah, we covered a lot about the equalizer. I, I just wanted to clear it up. Are we done with the equalizer now? Yeah, I We're mean, I just... I just wanted to make sure that I wasn't spreading misinformation. I get it. I get There's it. enough of that out there. I wonder if you could go back in time and tell yourself, hey, you're going to be talking about this episode for the rest of your life. Well, I remember after we finished oh filming God, one day. More. There's more. <laughs> well, after we finished filming one day, it goes along with what you're saying. After we finished filming one day, I was walking out with Sam Rockwell, and he said, which way are you going? I said, I got, I'm, going, I'm going to the F train, because I was still waiting tables at the time. And so was he. Sam Rockwell and I were both waiting tables. And guess what? I'm sitting in a goddamn closet underneath them snaking blankets. Sam Rockwell's living the high life. Is he, though? Yes. Is he really? Yes. Mm, I don't know. He's rich and famous. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. <laughs>